When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. Good day. I'm Ben Bullock. Oh, Ben, nice. Uh, a little down under accent, huh? Oh, uh, let's not get in trouble at the start of the podcast. Uh, I'm, I promise I will not try to do uh, an Australian accent because I am horrible at it. Oh, fair enough. Okay, and I won't, uh, I won't attempt said accent either, but uh, today's topic is definitely Australian. And that is, uh, that's up by design, really, because we've got a couple of listener suggestions for this topic in the past, and... One of them comes from an Aussie who says, uh, you know, we'll, we'll tell you what, that's the second letter I want to read. The first one I want to read is from uh, someone who suggested the same thing right around the same time. Um, the first one is from Lee Nanton, and uh, Lee is in the military. He was uh, stationed in Germany at the time. Now, these come from, oh, boy, Ben, this is kind of embarrassing. They come from 2011, the end of Ooh. 2011. Deep and, cuts. Yeah, deep cuts. Uh, they've been on the um, official car stuff to-do list, I guess, uh, since the end of 2011. Um, <laughs> man, that's a big list. We've, we've really got a, a huge group of, of topics coming up that, uh, man. Hey, in our defense, what, what this means, um, for everybody listening out there, if you have written us and we have heard your topic, we are getting to it. We do address every single piece of mail we can get our hands on. We're not able to do it as quickly as we would like to sometimes. Yeah, I mean, these are, this is kind of an extreme case. This is, a, this is like a year and a half, uh, um, backlog on this one, right? I mean, it, it, it never, normally doesn't take that long. It just kind of sat on the list for a while, but we're getting around to it. Yeah. Um, so, Lean Athens. so Lean and says that, um, he wants to hear about a series that they call, what they sometimes call NASCAR Down Under or NASCAR of Australia. And, uh, I guess, well, he's at it. He wanted to kind of, and he has nothing to do with the series, by the way. But he said he just wants to maybe drum up a little bit of interest in the series in the states because, and worldwide, really. Mm-hmm. But um, because it's it's typically it's called an international series. But up until this year, up until 2013, they hadn't raced in the United States, and now they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're of course behind the curve on on promoting that race. But I'll I'll tell you about that later. Um, and you know, hopefully, Lee's hope was that they'll return in 2014. We had a uh, similar request from another listener, and uh, this one kind of in a roundabout way came about. 
Uh, the listener's name is uh, Dallas Lee, and Dallas is an Australian listener from Brisbane, Australia. And um, Dallas and I had a little back and forth conversation uh, where Dallas said that you know I'd like to hear more about some Australian market topics. You know anything about the Australian car market? We've got you know, right. three. I think it was. Um, Three car, major car companies that are still producing cars here. Uh, they've got Ford Australia, Holden, which is a subsidiary of GM, and then uh, Toyota Australia as well. And uh, just kind of wanted more Australian topics, and we did that with the road trains. Yep. And I think we've had something else. There was another Australian topic, but um, we started talking a little bit about the Ford Falcon back and forth. Cause right, because this was about our animal car uh, episode right? exactly yeah you mentioned hey i can't believe you guys forgot to mention the ford falcon and i said oh well i actually have a falcon in my past i had my mom had one in the 60s mm-hmm. and um it, he sent back something with well they're still building it and he said as a matter of fact they still use it in the supercar or the v8 supercar series and uh, that sparked my interest right there and i said well you know what that's a fantastic idea right there we'll we'll talk about the v8 supercar series which is uh, by all accounts, that's a, that's an Australian race series, right? I mean, right. Yes, the uh, V8 Supercars Championship. Uh, it is an Australian motorsport through and through. Now, as you mentioned, these letters came from two years ago, right? So, yeah, and they were pretty close in timing. I mean, like October and November of 2011. Oh, okay. So, hey, we're under two years then, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's a little over a year and a half. Yeah, a little over a year. I'm, Look at us. I'm kind of embarrassed about this, but uh, but again, it's a it's a huge list of topics we've got. Yeah, and uh, we wanted to thank Lee and Dallas. Uh, you guys, we're taking up the advice, the suggestions here, and this is going to be our podcast on V8 supercars. Now, one one thing, if it's okay to say this, right off the top, mm-hmm. um, technically speaking. The V8 championship here is international because I think it was in 2013, this year, there um, there are events in New Zealand and in the United States. That's right. Uh, yeah. There's, uh, okay, I'm going to take the New Zealand one, all right? Sure. The ITM 400 Hokekoe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad sorry. you said it. I'm glad you said it, not me. But uh, it actually goes more than uh, to more than just New Zealand mm-hmm. and uh, and well, the United States as well. I mean, they're in South Australia, mm-hmm. they're in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned New Zealand, Western Australia. They're in they're in Texas this year in the United States. Yeah, the uh, Circuit of the Americas. Right? Uh, they, yeah, that's right. And they were in the uh, Northern Territory in Australia again, um, Queensland. Uh, see South Wales, New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of all over the place. They've got, they've actually got 38 races in 14 different venues in Australia, New Zealand, and in the U.S. And I think they had an event, uh, a while back that was in China. But I believe that, uh, that for whatever reason, the, the series didn't go back to China. I don't know if it wasn't popular there. I don't know if it just didn't work out with the promoters or what. Or but, maybe it was like a one-off. Uh, that's possible, yeah. But I mean, I think it was a couple of years ago, and uh, and that's no longer part of the series. Oh, okay, I see. And also, uh, this is a big deal for everybody just hearing about this in the uh, right now on this podcast. Uh, the V8 Supercar Series broadcast into 137 countries. Yeah, it's pretty is, big. Yeah, which is pretty big. But uh, what I think we'd like to do is maybe uh, our usual mo, Mister Benjamin. What do you think? Talk about. 
what it is, where it came from? Yeah, let's do that. And if you don't mind, I'll just read through kind of a laundry list, and you can stop me whenever you want with questions or whatever you have. Okay. Awesome. All right. So uh, basically, it's a it's a the category of racing that this is. It's a touring car um, series that you know a lot of people may be familiar with touring car. Um, in Britain, maybe a little bit here in the United States because there was a North American Touring Car Championship for a short time yeah. in the mid-90s. Uh, very similar in design to that, very similar style cars, oh, except for the, the engines, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, now, the first season for this uh, this event was in 19, 1997, um, and I'll talk about how that formulated, how that grew as, as, as we get along here. Um, again, it's an Australian series, extremely popular, and the, uh, the attendance stats... Um, attest to that because an average event, the attendance is somewhere over 100,000 people. Right. And for some of the bigger events, it can be, uh, that can peak over 250,000. A quarter of a million people for, for a couple of these big, you know, like major endurance events or, you know, the events that go over several days. Mm-hmm. Um, again, based in Australia, it's an international series that's run under FIA regulations. Um, and man, it's got a, again, it's got a long, long history. These cars are, are, Loosely based on four-door, street-legal, what they call saloon cars. Right, yeah. And uh, these they, they have this, some rules about control components to make sure that these varying makes of car mm-hmm. are still on somewhat of a level playing field. Uh, to go back a little bit before 1997, um, this, this started, the, the idea at least, uh, started with Fords and Holdens. Uh, for the Australia Touring Car Championship mm-hmm. um, with V8 engines. And they, they this competition grew from a, a Group 3A designation uh, with, you know, Class A being the, the five-liter V8 engines, uh, Ford and Holdens, um, competing, moving up through some new rules and ultimately uh, – Oh, I should mention there was also a Class B, which would be two-liter cars, mm-hmm. and a Class C. And these eventually start working in the 1993 Australian Touring Car Championship, um, and they had two classes for some of the other events that would be just over 2,000 cc and then 2,000 cc and below. Um, anyway, so let's fast forward to... Uh, 1995, the uh, two-liter cars had their own series of super touring cars, and that made them ineligible for the Australian Touring Car Championship. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that uh, that this was pretty much set up for Ford and GM with their Holden vehicles. The, yes. the uh, Falcon and the Commodore, I think, were the vehicles that they used, and they still do. Yep. Um, but the series was really set up so that it kind of conformed to what they were already producing in their street cars. And, you know, they, they're producing these big four-door, um, you know, we mentioned saloon cars. I mm-hmm. should just say that, you know, for the rest of the world, uh, besides our uh, U.K. listeners, you know, the the Brits and uh, the Irish English, uh, that, that's what they call um, a sedan. So a lot of us will call a saloon car a sedan and vice versa. Yeah, so, uh, it's kind of a, just a difference of language. And before you get too uh, too down on this, saying that, you know, it's a four-door sedan, I don't really care to see that race. Um, listen to some of the stats that we'll tell you about these things. And oh, they're, they're yeah. pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly fast. I've... I've had experience, like on track experience, with uh, the North American touring cars, and they were two liter cars with the uh, with the Dodge Stratus team when they were running back in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. And 
incredibly fast, incredibly exciting. It's really close racing. Um, it's it's really really remarkable. It's fun to watch, and it's usually uh, run as a support series to, or it was run as a support series to, you know, like maybe the uh, the kart series back when it was running mm-hmm. um, in the mid '90s again. But uh, this this uh, this this V8 supercar series, this is its own, this is the big event. And there's a, there's a spinoff series called the Dunlop V8 car supercar series that I'm right. going to talk about also in a moment. Okay. But, um, again, I just want to kind of quickly get through some of these, these quick stats on this thing. Sure. Now the, the chassis, of course, that's a control, uh, part. And we say control. That means the parts that are, that are, um, I guess formulated by the, by the series that say, they say that it has to be identical for everybody. Yes. Um, it's kind of like NASCAR, you know, when they, when they say, here's our, here's our template for your vehicle and here's what you have to re- adhere to. Mm-hmm. Similar in that, that, um, you know, all the, con- all the chassis are going to be the same. They're going to have a little bit of variation here and there just for the different body styles. But, um, the, the control parts we talk about, that's what we mean. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're mandated by the series. So there's a, a control chassis. Um, they're front engine, rear, they're all front engine, all rear wheel drive cars. Um, and they're all five liter, V8 engines, of course. I mean, as mm-hmm. you would expect in a, in a V8 supercar series. Um, <laughs> normally aspirated, so there's no turbos involved at all. And they all use a six-speed sequential transaxle. And uh, the transaxle thing is kind of new, too, because that is uh, – transaxle, I mean, obviously, that's a differential and the gearbox all in one assembly. So that's mm-hmm. that's what makes that different. Um Man, I've got a list of control parts. Should we talk about? Um, I don't know if we should go to the the Dunlop V8 supercar series first, or maybe talk about the history of the V8s. Yeah, let's um, uh, let's see. I've got a couple stats, and then let's do history of the V8. Sure. And then go to to Dunlop and the development stuff. You so, got it. All right. So they're also all engines are limited to uh, seventy five hundred RPM revolutions per minute. Mm-hmm. Compression ratio ten to one. They also uh, have a little bit of variance in their um, horsepower. Did you <laughs> notice that? A uh, little bit, but you know what? Only like six twenty to six fifty. It's super high. Well, you just said it. Yeah, yeah. that's oh, that. I just no, no, the cat out of the That's all right. I mean, man, <laughs> these things are powerful, aren't they? Yes, uh, especially considering the way uh, around three thousand one hundred pounds, or you know, fourteen ten kilograms. Mm-hmm. So this this kind of uh, power is. It's fair to say it's not what you would expect from a saloon car. I mean, six hundred and fifty horsepower right? in these cars—it's amazing. And you know that you know these things—they're they're lightened in different ways, so they're not as heavy as a as a typical like a, a similar road car would be with all of the extra equipment they've got. Right. Where where they're adding weight, they're also taking off weight. So you mentioned the weight. I think you said it was around three thousand pounds. Yeah, and that's a, a counting driver, I think. Okay. Yeah, I've got a somewhere. I've got a couple stats about that too, but um, I don't even know if I'll be able to find that note in my in my pile here. But uh-huh. there are also restrictions on. Certain components, like the engine, has to weigh a certain amount. I think it's 200 kilograms. Yeah. Um, the driver and his suit and his seat mm-hmm. and the, the attachment points and everything has to weigh. I think it's 100 kilograms, um, and that's kind of a minimum weight. It, you can weigh more, of course. Yeah. Uh, but it's to the team's benefit to keep it as close to that 100 kilograms as possible. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations 
questions that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And all cars run on E85 fuel, uh, and then you can use a couple of different fuel tank sizes, depending Mm -hmm. on the competition. So with the Sandown 500 or something, uh, there would be a 112-liter tank, but for a longer... um, Oh, excuse me. I misspoke here, Scott. One twelve liter tank is the rule uh, for longer events like the Sandown 500. Uh, a one hundred and twenty liter tank is used because they're longer distances. Fair enough. Yeah, they have what's called uh, sprint car races, which mm-hmm. are sprint races, I guess. Um, and then they also have endurance events. Now, the uh, the sprint races are typically like on a week race weekend. They may have four qualifying races and then four. Uh, actual races mm-hmm. and those races are are shorter distances so that there's no pit stops involved it's just it's just flat out the whole way from start to finish they do a standing start a lot like um like you'd see in formula one mm-hmm. and then um you know this just from, from beginning to end they're on the track the entire time there's no there's no need for a pit stop unless it's a mechanical issue like they need to come in for rain tires or something like that or if they they have low oil pressure and they want to come in and check that or whatever happens sure. um but it's normally just an all-out flat-out race and uh, which makes it really exciting yes and we would be remiss if we didn't point out 
who else is in this race um, right now before we get to just the, the V8 history? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we already said uh, Ford. We already said Holden. Mercedes-Benz is in here as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brand new, too. Yeah, and that's a brand new one. Nissan Altima. It, uh, Nissan. I don't know why I said Nisa. <laughs> Nissan Altima, uh, the L33. Uh, these, anytime one of these is made, they have to be eligible to compete in this race as ranked by the organization. Sure. Now, these are, now, you, you, what you just mentioned, we said that, you know, it was set up early on, uh, to be pretty much catered to the, well, it did cater to the Ford Falcons and the, uh, and the GM, uh, rather the, the, the Holden Commodores. Yeah. I keep wanting to say GM, but it's Holden really. Yeah. Well, it's a division of anyways. That's what I mean when I, mm-hmm. when I say that anyway. So I'll probably mix up Holden and GM a couple times, but, um, you know, they were the ones producing these, these five liter V8 four door production sedans already. So it was a, it's a logical jump for them, but other, other manufacturers weren't able to get in on this. And, uh, up until just this year, um, mm-hmm. in 2013, uh, the Nissan Nissan came through with a, a factory team, a factory sponsored team, uh, with their Altima, uh, which they were able to enter in the series, and a, a racing team called Erebus Racing um, entered three Mercedes Benz E63 AMGs, uh, which now also qualify for the series, and. In 2014, it looks like Volvo is going to be able to enter uh, mm-hmm. with the with the S60 model that they have. So, you know, it went from a two two car series or two two constructor series to a four constructor series, and now it's going to be up to uh, a five constructor series as of next year. So, the competition just seems to be getting better and better in this as we go along, which is important for a series. Yeah, and I think that speaks to the future of the series as well as the excitement gathering about it. Now, one thing that we should also mention is that. Some of these regulations we're talking about, when we talk about control components and stuff like that, uh, this, these new entries to the race this year, Mercedes-Benz and Nissan, mm-hmm. their entries coincide with a change in the overall regulations for the for the cars, and you know what I'm talking about. I I do. They've added a bunch of these control units, or control not units, but control parts rather. Right. Uh, that you know these mandated parts that we talked about. Right. Because so, originally it was Project Blueprint regulations, and now it's moved to what they call the car of the future. Exactly. And, and you know what, man, we keep getting ahead, but I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm, we're gonna go to the history. I promise in just a <laughs> moment, because man, the history is getting pushed way back to the end of this podcast. Is Sorry, that crazy? I, I keep throwing monkey no, wrenches. No, that's all right. It's good because I, I just have a, a quick listen and not a whole lot to say about this, but the control parts that we mentioned, we've already said the chassis, right? Yeah. Um, there's also control electronics, which is um, the ECU or mm-hmm. the power distribution model. Um, the axles are control parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rear uh, the rear suspension. Um, but they don't mention the front as being a control part, which is kind of odd. But I think it's, yeah, I think that the rear suspension is in there specifically because of the rear wheel drive. Mm, could be, but, yeah. Uh, also the, um, the clutch, right? Uh, the clutch is another one, that's right. And uh, the wheels and tires. So they have aluminum wheels of a certain size, tires that have to be provided by the series sponsor, which is Dunlop. Um, they also have a steering column, which is uh, another control part, which is, I guess, collapsible in the engine compartment area. Makes instead sense. Of, instead of not, in, it's not collapsible inside the uh, the cabin. Um Fire extinguisher system, um, so that, you know, if there's something wrong, they flip the switch, it uh, extinguishes anything, fills the car with foam or whatever it does. Um, chassis and roll cage, we mentioned chassis already, but there's a roll cage also. And, uh, you know, these can be built by different people, the chassis and roll cage, but they have to 
you know, be uh, approved or or scrutineered by the by the series and say to say that yeah, these conform to our standards. These are exactly the way that they should be. Um, so the, these regulation parts, these uh, they're the same for all competitors. You know, these uh, these control parts. Um, they ensure quality. Uh, for all the competitors, you know, because, you know, they're, they're all the same. It's not like some team's going to go out there with a lower budget and, you know, risk, risk the driver in some way, in some safety sure. way. Yeah. Uh, which they definitely don't want to do. Um, and they do allow, I mean, just, I should mention that they do allow for minor differences between manufacturers and engine, um, and body shapes to retain the look of, of production cars. So, you know, there's, there are slight variations that are allowed here and there. And we know all about, you know, rule bending a little bit, you know, like right. through NASCAR specifically. Finding the loophole. Exactly. And that's exactly what these teams do as well. So, you know, it's still very exciting racing. It's not like every car is exactly identical. It's not like the IROC series or something like that, you know, where, <laughs> where right. um, you know, it's just really Clone racing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there's a lot of driver skill involved, and they do try to try to uh, level the playing field in this series as well. But um, you know, manufacturers are free to kind of tinker around a little bit. But if they're found outside of the the uh, the allowed rules or regulations or sizes or right. whatever restriction happens to be on that part or piece, um, yeah, they're fined or they're or they're excluded from the they're race. They're out of so, there. Exactly. So they know better than to do something you know uh, just horrendous. Scott. Yes. I want to say that without further ado, we should stop letting me interrupt you and start doing the history of the. All right, all right. We haven't even talked about the the Dunlop series yet either. So right. I guess maybe we should do that. But you know what? I think maybe if you and I were attending an event, if uh-huh. you and I were going to a supercar event, a Ooh, supercar okay. event, yeah, I'd want to look my best. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Yeah, man, I would too. And I wanted to talk to you about that because we, you know, we're all right. We're not like the Hmm. worst dressed people in our part of the United States or something. I don't think so. We're close to the bottom of the list (laughs) on some days, on some days. And uh, that can all change for us because we found out about a little website called Jack Threads. Mm-hmm, that's right. And it's uh it's an online shopping destination mm-hmm. and it's uh it's kind of a club. It's like a it's like a an online shopping club and that may not appeal to you at first. Mm-hmm. But then when you understand that there are deep, deep discounts to be had, like up to eighty percent off, then that's when uh you know your ears might perk up. Right. And this isn't on some Knock off, you know, Reebok with four E's or something like that. This, uh, these are name brands that would ordinarily be uh, much more expensive. So we're talking things like Penguin, mm-hmm. right? Kenneth Cole, sure. Busted Tees, Vans. Uh, we're talking about quite quite a few things that you would recognize. They also sell uh, accessories in yep. addition to the clothing. And Scott, going back to your point about it being. Kind of a club, a bit exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a waiting list to be part of jackthreads.com. Yeah, that's right. But you can skip that membership wait list if you want. I mean, if you, if you know us, mm-hmm. which you do, I mean, just via listening to this program, right? Right. Um, all you have to do to gain instant access to Jack Threads is you go to jackthreads.com slash car stuff when you sign up and, uh, and skip the waiting list. You're in for free. You're able to, Peruse the whole, you know, everything that's available. Shop, do whatever you want. Look around for stuff, accessories, clothes, shoes, glasses, whatever. Uh, And no need to thank us. We uh, we just do this kind of stuff because we're buddies. Ah, we're good guys. We're all right, you know. Yeah, Yeah, and you know what? I I think uh, you know if you made a trip to uh, JackThreads.com before you went to the uh, the V8 supercar event, Uh you'd be looking pretty good. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty good advice. And now, with that being said, we return yeah. finally to our, our long-delayed history. Finally. We're getting into the history of this whole thing, and that's usually the part that we start with, right? It but, is. Uh, but, you know what, it, it kind of makes sense that we talked about the cars themselves because they're, they're so exciting. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just there's so much about the series that is it's just really cool to watch. I've been watching video clips of this all mm-hmm. week now. Yes. To your point, Scott, it reminds me of earlier in the show when we were saying, all right, Sedan cars slash saloon cars. I know it sounds like you don't want to see it, but trust us, ladies and gentlemen, when you check out these vehicles, um, 
it's it's not your garden variety sedan. No, definitely not. It's it's anything but that. And uh, and the history goes back, as you mentioned, you know, in, in the mid '90s. Let's say that's when it starts, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, I guess we can start. We can kind of jump right in with uh, something called the Australian V8 Supercar Company, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, shortened. They called themselves Avesco. And they formed in 1996 to run the series. And uh, without, without getting into all the politics of who owns what share or whatever, it was a joint venture between uh, the Touring Car Entrance Group of Australia, which is uh, TEGA, or T-E-G-A, um, the sports promoters IMG, which I think everybody probably knows who IMG is. You see that everywhere in, in sports, sporting events still, mm-hmm. um, and the Australian Motorsports Commission. So all three of those partners came together uh, to form this Avesco, which is the Australian V8 supercar company. Um, now, the, the series name in 1996 was, uh, was officially the V8 Supercars, and that's going to change as we, as we talk about this, so that's important. Um, it was just called V8 Supercars initially. Um, and that was officially, well, initially it was part of the Australian Touring Car Championship Series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the series expanded in 1998, and then in 1999, uh, they added, added endurance races and, um, uh, Con- control tires. Yeah, right. control tires. That's when the control tires first came in. But it was a different supplier then. It was Bridgestone mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Um, as you know now, it's it's Dunlop. Um, and then again in 1999, the series name changed uh, to the Shell Championship Series. And that's, of course, due to a, a sponsorship via Shell. So they changed the entire name of the series to the Shell Championship Series. Um, and that maintained uh, until about 2002. So what, about three years there? Yeah. Um, and then the control tire, uh, control tire supplier changed to Dunlop, and the series was once again renamed to the V8 Supercar Championship Series, which it remains, um, you know, the same until today. Um, and that's obviously because Shell dropped out of sponsorship at that point in 2002. So, you know, 2002, there's some big things happening with the, with yeah. the Dunlop, you know, Dunlop taking over the tires and, um, and the renaming to the V8 Supercar Championship Series. And um, I, I've got a few more historical points to add on that if you're if you sure. Want to. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay, uh, as we lead into Dunlop. So, um, in, let's see, 2005, to follow up on some of the international events we had talked about. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, wait, yes. I see the note you're holding up. I you am holding about- a note to, to stop before you get to 2005 because I have a. A little note that goes back to 2003, and I think we should just mention it. It's, right. Project uh, Blueprint, right? Project Blueprint. Yeah, that's uh, – and I, I don't know how much you have on this, so I'll just go ahead and read what I've got. You can, okay. again, interrupt if you want, Ben. Sure. But, um Something called Project Blueprint was set about in 2003, and that was basically a new set of regulations that was, again, to level the playing field. Um, Holden had had pretty much dominated the series in 98 and 99, and uh, so much so that, that Ford had threatened to withdraw from the series. Now, they didn't withdraw, uh, but but Holden continued to dominate um, in 2001 and 2002. So you can imagine that Ford is saying, like, you know, what's going on here? I can't – we can't compete. Um, there's There's got to be a way to kind of level out what's going on here, because I think GM was probably investing a ton of money in this because they were dominating. Right, and they were investing um, – also, Ford was investing a ton of money, uh, maybe not by the comparison, but racing is expensive. And they're trying to keep up. Yeah, and they don't want to invest a bunch of money to look bad. So uh, these two guys, Wayne Kadich and Paul Taylor, mm-hmm. are the folks who spent several years designing a, a universal formula that would get rid of some of the – I guess, 
discrepancies or, or uh, between their designs, yeah. Holden and Ford. Exactly, to level out the playing field between the Fords and the Holdens. And uh, and part of this formula uh, was the was the common chassis, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the same wheelbase dimensions were then they were then added. They had to have the same wheelbase, whether that meant lengthening the cars or shortening the cars. Mm-hmm. Um, also, suspensions were kind of evened out as well, like we mentioned earlier. Um, the seating positions had to be the same. You know, they were lowered and they had to be exactly the same in each car, so that you know the the center of gravity was the same. Um, aerodynamic packages they were added or you, you know added to, I should say, uh, to kind of level things out as well. Um, and the engine porting differences were made similar. So, mm-hmm. you know, the engines were not exactly identical, but, uh, but similar enough that, you know, that, that they could still play around with them, but, uh, but still, you know, there's room for, for a little bit of mechanics to, uh, to do their magic there. Yeah. And this, um, this formula, by the way, continued to, uh, undergo an evolution mm-hmm. throughout the next few years leading up to 2013, which uh, I think we've already mentioned, that's when the overall formula changed, probably to allow for more constructors in the business. But you were going to say something about 2005, right? Yes. Thank you, Scott. I digressed. This is a big year in 2005 because the competition, the series, moves out internationally. Now, you gave me a, a little tinge of recognition when we mentioned the foray into China, right? Mm-hmm. I know the story of what happened. It was supposed to be a five-year agreement, but unfortunately, uh, things didn't work out with the promoter of the race. Hmm. So the series didn't return after that. However, Interesting. I wonder, I wonder if it was popular among the people there, if they, if they, uh, they really liked the series or if it just, you know, it was just a conflict with, with the promoter himself and, uh, or herself. Yeah. And it didn't work out. I should dig deeper on that and see, see what's going on there. But also, um, in 2006, the very next year, they're at Bahrain, in the mm-hmm. Bahrain International Circuit. And we've mentioned uh, New Zealand. We've mentioned also the United States, uh, Abu Dhabi in 2010. So the Middle East uh, is a, being a returning point right there. Oh, so these have been all around the world. Right. These have been all around the world. So FIA gave them uh, international status, what's called international status in 2011. And this means that the series can present itself to race at up to six international venues annually. Hmm, not so, bad. So that's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we go to, let's see, we're moving up to 2013. Let's see, which thread do we pick up first? Oh, well, that's the, uh, that's, th- this is interesting because around 2013 uh, is when a, kind of another dream came to fruition, I guess, is mm-hmm. maybe the best way to say it. And, you know, th- these these groups of one you know, when things are kind of going along the same for a long time, they say, well, what are we going to do to kind of mix things up? Well, they, they developed what they called the car of the future. And uh, the car of the future, which was kind of, it was revealed in, I think, 2011, as a matter of fact, but it, but, um, it wasn't put into practice until 2013. So this year is really the first year of the, uh, the car of the future to be on the track. Um, but the car of the future project was designed, it's got a couple of, of objectives. And I went to the, uh, the, the, the main site here, v8supercars.com.au, yeah. uh, to find out, you know, what exactly the project is designed to do. And, um, what laid it, laid it out for me right there in front. I mean, it was like four or five <laughs> bullet points. So, I guess I'll just read a couple of these. Um, to ensure the long-term viability and growth of the sport, 
open up V8 supercars to new manufacturers to compete, which mm-hmm. it did with the Nissan and the, uh, the Mercedes teams. Uh, make cars cheaper to build and repair, which I, I've got some stats on that, as a matter of fact, how much it costs to build one of these things. Um, and make cars safer, lighter, and stronger. Always good for racing, right? Right. Um, increase the motoring market relevance of V8 supercars, so that's to be able to sell the cars on the street. Uh, maintain the DNA of V8 supercars, which, you know, they already had in place and they wanted to maintain that, that for their, uh, their series. You know, V8 engines, rear wheel drive, things like that. Um, also to increase the number of V8 supercar events, um, in a condensed, conde- uh, condensed calendar across the, mul- across multiple countries. Mm-hmm. Tough saying that one, but, uh, they finally, they want to, uh, they want to really expand where they race in, in the world. Uh, yeah. they want to really make it a worldwide event. And uh, the last thing that they said is they want to ensure higher quality racing. So, you know, it's designed, it's not intended to slow things down or anything like that. It's in- intended to make the series a better series to watch, a better series to drive in, a better series for teams to uh, to be able to build cars in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a long-term play. Yeah, and I mentioned the cost, and I'll just quickly tell you here that, you know, the, the car of the future, that the, the regulations are reducing the cost of building a car for the teams very, I mean, really dramatically. If you If you... Um, look at the differences here. Now, I'll give you the, uh, the price now and the price that it used to be. Um, okay. the cost right now with a car of the future, the cost to build a car without an engine is around $250,000. Uh, that's the chassis. That's like a rolling chassis. Uh, so no engine at all in that. All right. and the, so and that's the, just the, that's just the, the shell pretty much. It, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's really, that's everything you need. All the electronics, everything else oh, except okay. for the engine. Okay. And the engine itself is going to cost you about $50,000. So, so we're looking about 300 grand total. Correct. And that's with the new car of the future design as of 2013. Now, Ooh, okay. now prior to this, um, it used to cost, about $450,000 to build a car without an engine. And uh, the engine itself was down it cost about um, $120,000. Right. So so it was it went from $570,000 for an average car. You know, that's that's just yeah. one car um, down to about 300,000 as you mentioned. So that's a huge savings for teams. Yeah, uh, that's have, especially for starting off teams. Yeah, right? right, you could have two cars for the price of one. Mm-hmm. You know, with this with this new car of the future. So so a lot of uh, a lot of teams are able to jump on that and and you know definitely make uh, make the team bigger, better, stronger, you know whatever it takes. Yeah, and speaking of teams, the what uh, some of the ways that the teams work, the teams can consist of one to four cars, mm-hmm. um, and most of the teams that have one car have an alliance with a two car team of some sort, and um, these these racers are gauged on a point system so mm-hmm. you'll hear about the driver's championship that title is given to the individual driver who gets the most points over the season mm-hmm. so this can be in multiple events and um, usually when it comes to scoring points uh, for team championships um, you know that's where the champion team gets the most points over the season the manufacturers or the teams yeah I guess both yeah uh, teams that have four cars are separated into pairs mm-hmm. of double car teams. So, sure. Uh, so with this um, with this point system, we can see that there is a huge interest in running the whole series, not just one event. Well, we can't uh, we can't get into you know how many points for nah, each nah, thing nah, and each yeah. lap and all that because right. it gets really complex, especially when you talk about these teams are are sometimes they're, they're racing in four events every weekend. 
Um, you know, so the, the points swing in this, uh, swings dramatically, um, you know, between who's ahead, who's in the lead. I mean, you can, you could easily climb up the, uh, climb up the scale, uh, just by doing well in one weekend. Right. So, you know, and consistency is always important in these types of things. You know, when it's a long series, long event, long events, um, I guess long schedule is what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, if you're consistently in the top three, five, whatever, you're definitely going to be high in the points. So th- that's always a good thing. And there's, there's a lot of information about out there about who's leading right now because we're, you know, later in the series. Right. Um, you know, they've already had their, uh, their Texas event here in the United States that we were, um, that we mentioned early on in this thing. And, sure. and apparently, Ben, that was a, uh, that was a big success, um, at the Circuit of Americas. Yeah. I guess, uh, they said that, you know, there's, the plan is to return for another season for 2014. So, uh, it turned out real well. I think the the crowd attendance was something like sixty eight thousand for a three day event, which wow. was uh, actually really really good for them. Um, again, they're they're talking about multi year deals that, that they're kind of throwing around. That the, the uh, president and CEO of the Texas track is saying, you know, we're we're definitely considering multi year deals. Um, so, I mean, again, the question was, will the V eight supercars return in twenty fourteen? I think the answer is going to be yes. And that's uh, the name of that is the Austin 400, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the specific race, and you know they they have uh, just a ton of good races. And one thing, one thing yeah. I want to mention is they race they race a track. Uh, the the um, the event is rather called the uh, the Bathurst 1000. Ah, uh, yes. Um, in New South Wales, and there have been some requests for us to do a uh, a podcast strict, just on that, right? Strictly on that uh, on that track, that event on the Bathurst track, because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of history with that one as well. And so. it's it's uh it's one of those longer races in comparison to the other races. That's one of the endurance events, yeah. I believe. Yeah, I'm just checking right. my schedule real quick here. But I, th- I think it is, yeah. Yes, and, it is. And so there, there's, a, there's a wealth of races here. I'm glad that you brought this up. There's also a, another supercar series that we have been putting off talking about. <laughs> yeah. And that is the Dunlop V8 supercar. Yeah, and this series. is this is I guess the best way to look at this. And I've been trying to figure out how to how to word this, but um, yeah. it's, it's really like the second tier series to the V8 supercars. Um, and again, it's just adding the word Dunlop at the beginning, but the Dunlop V8 supercar series, and uh, it's it's run kind of as a support race to the V8 supercars, like right. Um, and I, I kind of see this similar to like the uh, the Firestone Indy Light series to the IndyCar series. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. It's almost a feeder series when it comes to the drivers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because um, you know a lot of these are what they call gentleman racers. You know, the guys that they come out and you know they've got a lot of money and they they field this race team and they just race in the weekend. They've got other jobs. You know, they're they're bankers, they're investors. They're the other whatever. word is privateers. Uh, privateers. That's right. I mean, but <laughs> but um, a lot of a lot of teams will specifically target or, or specifically, um, I don't know, recruit young drivers that they see with a lot of talent, mm-hmm. and they'll use this as a training series because, you know, it's it's really the same thing. I mean, and this series has been around since 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the difference is that they run in slightly older cars. Uh, they're the same cars, really, but they're mm-hmm. older cars. They're, they're um, smaller teams, lower budgets, um, and it's really now it's only – Two cars because you know it's it's the Fords and the Holdens that we mentioned before because right. because they run older cars and you know it's the the smaller series the Nissans and the Mercedes haven't yet made it into the Dunlop series yeah and that'll probably be a year uh, a few years from now I think so I mean but 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 the main 
focus behind this is that a lot of up and coming talent in the in the Dunlop mm-hmm. series, uh, they kind of get noticed for potential you know driver spots in the in the bigger V8 supercar series. So this can be the the springboard that launches a lot of a lot of young drivers up into the the big time into the pros. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is a I mean it has a, a a real purpose other than being entertaining for everybody and you know that uh, you know it's really exciting to watch as well because it's really the same thing. It's just older cars, slightly less horsepower, I believe. They don't have the 650 horsepower, I don't think, as the uh, as the bigger cars. I've got to I've got to double check that for sure. Uh, but there are 31 drivers, 17 teams. You know, two different types of cars, I guess, are competing. Right. But uh, but still, the 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 racing action is very exciting. It's very fast. Yes, and uh, think about it. If you uh, get a chance to check out one of those races, uh, that you might be watching the next champion of the V8 Supercar Series. It's very possible. I mean, when I mentioned the Indy Light Series, I mean, a lot of drivers have come up from Indy Lights up into the IndyCar Series and then become champions. And the yep. same with, uh, let's say that you take NASCAR, because that's more of a, a, I guess, a direct comparison here yeah. between these cars, really. Um, you think about, like, the Nationwide Series that they run, which is, like, the, the smaller, uh, less than the, the uh, Sprint Cup Series that they have, or the, uh, Am I mixing up the terms? I think that's right. The NASCAR, the big, the big series. Yeah. Um, they, they graduate up to that level and then of course they become champions. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, watch, watch what's going on in the Dunlop V8 supercar series as well because those drivers are ones you'll see highlighted later. And that's relatively, um, well, I guess it's, see, the thing is it's not that much younger than the V8 series proper, right? Because yeah. V8 proper comes out, it's not fair to call it V8 proper, I guess, but supercar series in general out in 1997. By 2000, just three years later, mm-hmm. that's when we see Dunlop on the scene. Sure, they noticed a need for, uh, you know, some type of other support series to run along with this and a chance for, you know, like we said, you know, the smaller teams, the, the lower budgets, uh, to get involved in this type of racing. And it's, it's fantastic to watch. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, I think, I, I don't know how much more I have. I mean, there's a lot of television coverage yeah. um, that, that we don't, we just don't get it here in the States. We don't get um, any kind of, of supercar coverage here. Where they do get coverage is in Australia, of course. Sure. Africa, Asia, Brazil, Europe, uh, Latin Middle America, East. the Middle East. Um, just a little, and you know what? Actually, I'm going to say that we do get some here, but you have to pay for it. It's a, it's a pay channel, um, pay-per-view type situation. Um and I think you only we were only able to get the uh, the Texas race, right? So that, of I mean, you know, we were only able to watch the race that's happening here in America. But um, you know, in New Zealand, of course, they're uh-huh. they're a pay event as well. Some of these are free, you know, that they're n- normal broadcasts, you know, like live events. Um, but man, Ben, I tell you, this whole series, I mean, it's so cool that you know they run on road courses only, so there's no mm-hmm. oval tracks like in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. But it's similar to NASCAR in a way that there's a lot of a lot of bumping, a lot of nudging, you know, a little bit of pushing is involved um, and allowed. You know, that right. they kind of know that they can do that. It's closed wheel, uh, so there's no super speedway races or anything like that. It's it's road courses, which are just really exciting. Um, they can be on tracks that run through cities, which are really, really tight, and yep. that makes for intense, intense racing. Mm-hmm. Um, great V8 sounds, which, you know, you and I love that a lot. We, right. we both love the, the sound of racing. Um, I don't know, just uh, there's, like I said, a lot of contact between the cars, so, you know, there's a lot of bumping and nudging, and that's all, all kind of fun. Um, and with these, these shorter sprint-style races that we mentioned, um, the ones that are just flat out racing from beginning to end and then they they know that they've got a pit stop between races mm-hmm. um it makes for extremely exciting event because you know that they, they just go all out there's there's no holding back 
and uh, it, almost 1.9 million people saw this over 2012. Wow. So I assume that number is going to rise when we see the close of 2013. And uh, in the future, they're adding some more international Wait, you're races. saying 1.9 million people attended the events, right? Yeah, over that's, 2012. So they, they actually drove to an event and attended this live. That's a, that's a huge audience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the uh, the global potential reach for television on the website is uh, quoted as uh, up to 500 million. Whoa. So this is this is a big deal. It and is. And it's going to keep expanding, um, including some races uh, in Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore, apparently. You know, when I think of Singapore, my first guess is, do they have room for a race? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so. Pretty crowded place. Yeah. Uh, but I guess so is Hong Kong. Sure. Uh, and uh, South Africa. So that's just among a few. So what we can see in the future for this series is, I think, growth. I think mm-hmm. And uh, I think enormous growth, uh, pretty robust at least, because people love racing. Um, it's going to all the right places. Uh, I hope, as a fan, I hope that it will come to more American I venues. Do, I do too. I mean, touring car has always been big overseas. Yeah, and uh, and it tried it here in, in, in the mid nineties, as we mentioned, with the North American yeah, touring but car. Briefly, it was briefly, and it just didn't didn't hang around long enough. You know, it was a couple of years, a couple of seasons, mm-hmm. and it didn't catch on. I'm really hoping that people kind of uh, gravitate towards this V8 supercar series because it's it's exciting, exciting racing to watch. And if you haven't, you know, go online, check out some clips. I think there's even one that's called like the uh, V8 supercars best la- best last lap ever or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That if you do if you watch that clip and you're not hooked on the series, I, I don't know what to tell you because it's it's exciting. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned YouTube because realistically, that is probably one of the best ways for U.S. race fans to get a look at this kind of action. Yeah, or you know, there's one other source that, that's uh, pretty good. They do kind of a race wrap up on uh, if you go to their their main website, which is V8. Oh, that's right. If you go to V8Supercars.com.au. Um, you can look at, you know, the news section or, you know, I forget exactly where it is, but you can get kind of a highlight of the weekend's events and you can go through the entire season and watch, you know, here's race one and here's what happened. It's just a recap. It doesn't have the excitement of watching a, just a single last lap clip with the announcers, you know, with the, you, you and I yeah. have talked about last lap excitement and how much the announcers play into that. Mm-hmm. When you're watching a summary, it's kind of, uh, it's a little more bland, but um, it gives you a good idea of what happened in the event and, and also shows you all the different tracks that they had they attend and um, exactly what's going on in the series. And we have to do one last thing, Scott, before we wrap up. What's that? That is to thank Lee and Dallas for Mm. their excellent suggestion. Yeah, Uh, thanks a lot. Now I'm hooked. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I guess we'll be in Austin. So um, we're going to go ahead and get out of here and try to plan our trip. And I I think we've got enough time to to figure this out. I think so. If it's a year away still, right? Yeah, maybe we can get our bosses to pay for it. Not quite a year. All right, so while Scott and I are trying to lay on our charm for a trip to the Austin 400, uh, why don't you uh, let us know what you think of V8 supercar racing, especially if you attended one of the events live. Uh, you can drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. You can suggest new upcoming topics. Hey, uh, if you have a gently used Holden Commodore that you're trying to get off your hands, you can also email us directly at carstuff at discovery.com. 
For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 